The following program is sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk A30WCCO or Intercom Communications. Advisory services offered through Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Certain but not all investment advisor representatives at Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are also registered representatives of and offer securities through LPL Financial Member FINRA, SIPC. Wealth Enhancement Group and Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are separate entities from LPL. Wealth Enhancement Group is a registered trademark of Wealth Enhancement Group, LLC. Sound strategies to make sense of your financial life. Answers to everyday questions pertaining to your money. Brought to you by Wealth Enhancement Group. Helping you to plan and invest with confidence and clarity. After all, it's your money. Good Sunday morning. Rashini Rajkumar here. You are listening to Your Money on WCCO Radio with hosts Bruce and Peg. Text and call us today on our studio line, 651-989-9226. All week, you can ask your questions of Peg and Bruce at 888-6ADVICE or email them at yourmoney@wealthenhancement.com. Here's Senior Vice President, Financial Advisor Peg Webb, and the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group, Financial Advisor Bruce Helmer. Good morning, Peg and Bruce. Good morning, everyone. Hi, Rossini. Hi, Peg. Hope you both uh, are doing well. Yes. Excellent. Good. Peg, are you still in Florida? I am in Florida. Hey, since we never see each other anymore, I'm just wondering, before we jump into the topic, have you had uh, vaccination? I actually had my first one last Thursday. Yes. Uh, No side effects whatsoever. The second one will now be the 28 days following. And did you, you know, did you get Pfizer or Moderna? Moderna. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've I've heard if you're going to have a problem with that one, it might be on the second one. Good for you. I have an appointment this week. uh, People of our age are finally able to find a spot. I know we're so young, Bruce, that, you know, it (laughs) took a while to get on the list. Well, you're you're younger than I am. Let's just say that. <laughs> hey, when we set up the the show that we're doing today, we're going to talk a little bit about taxes, and we usually do a show like this as we head into the home stretch of tax season, which is usually April fifteenth. But uh, as we told listeners last week, this year it's been extended a month to May seventeenth. So a lot of the things we're going to talk about, you actually have a little bit more time this year, which is a good, potentially a good thing. But uh, we we decided not to change the date of of the of the show, even though we have an extra month, because b- these things that that uh, people can maybe do to improve their situation, for the most part, I think it's better to do it as soon as possible. So this is still very timely. The things we want to talk about today. Yeah, and I think Bruce, it, it's interesting uh, if we're talking about twenty twenty uh, taxes. A lot of it is going to be too late, right? You and I, since January 1st of 2021, has been we've been working on the 2021 uh, suggestions and trying to be way ahead when it comes to tax planning. But right. there's some things that that happen that you don't foresee happening, and and so um, when you look back at 2020, the first thing people ask me is, should I continue to file? you know, and do this return by myself, or should I seek help, like with a tax professional? In a lot of cases, there's a lot of penny pinchers out there, Bruce, who do not want to pay anybody (laughs) to prepare this tax return. 
And it kind of stresses us out because one part of our um, strategy sessions, review sessions with our clients are to review those tax returns, <clears throat> not to double check, triple check to see if their CPA or, or um, themselves had made any errors. We more so check the tax return to see if the strategies that we recommended in 2020 now for 2021 or in 2019 for 2020 that they were implemented correctly on the return. And I have to tell you, the percentage is so high uh, where those strategies are not listed correctly on the tax return. And here's the big negative. Um, the client actually gets all these forms in the mail or they have to print them electronically these days. And they thought they did the best job, you know, putting all this on the pile. But then there's kind of an explanation sometimes that needs to be made to the preparer. Like, hey, I did this strategy or um, I need to alert you about this. And there's where the communication can break down. But our clients actually love when I say, hey, and this just happened um, on a return. We've already got a 2020 in from a client where they were supposed to pay 3500 and they're actually going to get a refund uh, because the, the um, do you remember how we talked a lot last year, Bruce, about the required minimum distributions? If you had taken them, you could put it back. Right. You yes. Know, so what happened is in, in the 1099 that's coming for those required minimum distributions you actually have to take a document to tell your accountant or your CPA that you actually put it back. And so that's one big thing that's actually being missed in the uh, 2020 return. So I know I went on a lot, lot here about, um, you know, hiring a tax professional or doing it on your own. But what we find is there's so much more to it than just plugging in a number in a box you know, on a um, piece of software? Well, you know, it, it's an age-old thing that we discuss on this show. It's not unlike the the decision to hire a financial advisor or not. I think a lot of people choose not to engage a financial advisor because of the cost. And in their mind, uh, they don't know how that advisor can justify the cost and how they can come out net ahead after you know after the cost and, and the same is true i think in determining whether or not you need professional help doing your taxes if that professional can find something a deduction or something that you missed that's greater than the than what they charge to prepare for the uh to prepare the return that's a net gain even though you hired somebody but beyond that peg i think it's just the sheer effort and energy i think a lot of times Whatever that cost is in dollars, what it relieves you of in terms of stress and time and trying to do your own return might be well worth it. Um, so it's hard to tell, you know, uh, listeners, should you do it yourself or should you engage help? I certainly think real simple, straightforward returns, people can do it themselves. But I think most people listening really should probably, you know, seek out a professional tax preparer. And then I was interested in what, you know, what you said when we review uh, returns. So for years and years, I told people that at Wealth Enhancement Group, we don't do tax preparation, but we do tax planning. 
And so a review of those returns might help us in the tax planning that we do. Or in other words, your tax preparer, it's like they report the score of the game to the IRS, and we want to change that score. We want to make, make sure that you win and give you a better outcome that your tax preparer can report. But now, Wealth Enhancement Group actually does tax preparation, although it's a small percentage of our clients because, frankly, we we are only going to be value added if it's a pretty complicated return. If it's straightforward and you can do it yourself or you can pay H&R Block or somebody 400 bucks, those are not the kind of returns we're going to do. But we actually do tax preparation for our more uh, for our clients that have more complicated situations. But I, I think most most people, again, not everybody, but most people, I really think they ought to get help. I, I think it's worth it. I do too. And then lastly, a reason that I find that people don't get help is they're not 100% confident that they're doing it correctly, right? That they're taking some deductions that maybe they thought were, you know, outside of the box or, you know, does this really make sense? Um, and so what I find is that that I want to tell people, don't be afraid to get help, because what I find is I'm definitely more versed on what the deductions are. <clears throat> I have my arms around the client to know what um, what deductions they can take. And the, the tax laws are written to benefit the consumer. So you should take advantage of whichever ones are out there. But I love your statement, Bruce. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, then when we're looking at the 2020 income tax, because a lot of people have not filed, um, we had three rounds so far of these stimulus uh, checks and child tax credits. And there's a lot um, just within that that some people have questions on. And I think it's difficult to follow because um, I am so thankful for our roundtable because they were constantly updating us as to what was going on. When you think about three rounds of stimulus checks, uh, that truly ties into your taxes because we have worked with clients ever since the first one was announced to, to try to get them to qualify. So the first one went all the way back to 2018 tax return because 2019, quite frankly, March of 2020 was not even filed yet. So then they, if you didn't um, get one on the 18 return, then they looked at the 19 return. And then it's still a 2020 actual credit. So um, 2020's return, if you didn't get one on the 2018, 2019, you may still get one. So there's a lot of complexity just within that. And then this whole change that happened about um, the tax reform and 70 plus percent of the people, that's just a quote that I continue to hear, do not itemize anymore. So that actually uh, has everyone still confused because now they're thinking, why am I spending all this time coming up with all my medical expenses and my property tax statements? And if I have a mortgage and putting, and if I give to charity, I'm putting this all in a pile. And then I come to find out that my tax preparer is not even using any of it. So why would I spend my time? So there's a lot of confusion around that. I recommend that my clients still put all of those papers together because you personally are not going to know whether you're going to go one way or the other. 
And this year uh, for the 2020 return, you absolutely need to provide your charity receipts because with the um, CARES Act way back in March of 2020, they're allowing uh, clients or people out there that don't itemize to be able to take a $300 deduction. And by the way, for 2021, it, they raised it to 600 because it's per person if it's a joint return. So keep those uh, charity receipts. The big one here, though, is and where we come into play a lot is how's your portfolio position for tax efficiency? So lots of rebalancing happened last year when the market goes down in March by 30 plus percent. Oh, that was an exciting time. Not so much that the, everybody's value was down, but we know that when there's that big of a correction, there's all sorts of things we can do. And it's an opportunity, Bruce, to be able to take someone's holdings if they're not tax efficient and get them more tax efficient when their capital gains is down. So that was an extremely busy time for Wealth Enhancement Group um, trying to restructure portfolios so in the future they would pay less tax. You know, uh, two things I want to comment on. What you just said, I'm going to probably ask you to repeat that to make sure I I and listeners got that. Even if you're taking the standard deduction, I think I heard you say that in 2020, you can still uh, take a $300 charitable deduction over and above your standard deduction. I did not know that. I learned that with listeners just now from you. I want you to add, add clarity or maybe add a little bit to that. But then the other thing that you said, and, and I think it's crucial, and again, it's part of comprehensive planning. So, and, and this is, I'm not knocking accountants. Uh, please, this is not a criticism of tax preparers, of CPAs, or accountants. And, and it's maybe not fair to overgeneralize, but in my experience, their focus tends to be on the current tax year that they're doing taxes for. How do we minimize taxes this year? And financial advisors, or at least wealth enhancement group, good advisors, our goal is to decrease taxes for a lifetime. And we understand that sometimes you might want to pay a little bit more this year to pay a lot less (laughs) in the future. So the planning and the tax reduction thinking is over a lifetime, not just over the current year. Um, And so sometimes we give advice that might differ from what they might get from the tax preparer. But I think we're, we're both looking at it, at it slightly differently. But go back to what you said, because I did not know that. They can take charitable deduction, even if they're taking a standard deduction. Yeah, and the, the uh, charitable deduction um, <clears throat> with the CARES Act back in March of 2020, they recognize that a lot of people don't itemize, and they recognize that with the pandemic, that charities would suffer. So they... Uh, included a $300 uh, deduction. It's actually on the front page of the return. Uh, Because you are a standard person, there's really nowhere to put it except for the front page. And then the reason it's raised to 600 this year for a joint return is it it was very cloudy whether that 300 meant per person back in the CARES Act. Uh, so they brought clarity. They didn't retro and change that number, but they brought clarity so that 2021, which they're going to um, also include uh, per person. So a joint return then would get 600. So I think people are so accustomed to not itemizing that they're not keeping track of that. 
But what I did find out from a client this week was that with the software that they're using and if they plug in the charity, it automatically will give you that 300 <clears throat> on your 2020 uh, return. So just make sure you enter it. That, that's really good information for people. I did. If I knew that, I forgot it. I, so I'm glad you reminded me and listeners about that. The other thing is there's a couple things you can do yet for 2020 return. You can contribute to an IRA. So this is a really big deal because of the stimulus check. If you qualify for a deductible IRA, it, it may behoove you to do that because that comes off the front page of your return. And that way you might get under the bogeys, if you will, for the stimulus check. All three of the stimulus checks have different um, adjusted gross income minimums and maximums and you know, some are pro rata, so make sure that you understand all that or work with your advisor um, or your tax preparer to, to um, get educated about that. But most people um, understand that these IRAs might be possible for them, but right now, really a good idea to, to research. And then uh, they also changed in 2020 was the first year that there's no age limit to contribute for IRA um, contributions. So that was a biggie, too, that, you know, 70 and a half year old or um, older could not contribute anymore, even if they were working. So um, then also the contributing to health savings plans. Here's another one that they let us all the way up to tax filing uh, contribute. And that this is probably the best deduction, meaning you get to write off or you get the deduction for the health savings. And this to qualify for this, you actually uh, can't be on Medicare and you have to have a high deductible health plan. So an individual could re deduct 3550 and a family contribution 7100 So that actually is another quite substantial uh, deduction. Um, Rashidi's telling us, Peg, that we got tech support in already. I know we've got more information, but maybe yeah. we'll actually hit on some of this stuff answering questions. Sounds good. All right, so let's get a couple texts in, Peg and Bruce. This person says, does wealth enhancement have investment minimums, also assuming sliding management fees? What are these percentages? Uh, great question for the texter. Um, does, Peg, does wealth enhancement group have minimums? And I'm sure by that they mean a minimum amount that you have to invest before we'll take them on as a client. And then they also want to know a little bit about our fee for what we would call assets under management. Yeah, <clears throat> let me address the minimums first. You know, I, I don't know that we've ever quoted a minimum uh, at our company, but what we do offer is a um, free, if you will, consultation or an introduction meeting. And we do that so that we can uh, learn a couple things. One is um, what you're looking for in a relationship with a financial advisor. And then secondly, if the services that Wealth Enhancement Group offers, you know, uh, match what you're looking for. We do that also to see, do you need a financial advisor at this point? And then educate you as to what would that cost? So I like to encourage people to take us up on that consultation. There are some first impressions people that at Wealth Enhancement Group that talk to you prior to making that appointment. 
and then schedule you with what they believe is the appropriate um, advisor, you know, within our organization. Um, Bruce, do you want to add to that minimum question? Well, I, I just always said that, you know, as a, as a company, we will help anyone that legitimately wants help. Now, you might not get a super senior advisor, and it's not because that person is greedy or selfish. It's just such that the overhead of their business model and how many people on their team, they, they might need a client of a certain size to make it make economic sense. But then if it doesn't work for, you know, a, a senior advisor, you'll still get a, a good junior advisor and you'll still get that roundtable team of specialists. So um, I, I just think that's the right thing to do to help anybody that really wants help. And then we do have a sliding scale. So we uh, fee on assets under management, which incorporate our comprehensive planning as well. And it is a sliding scale. So the more that you have under management, the more the uh, less percentage that you will pay. And I know we're coming up uh, on the clock, Rashini. I just want to add to that a little bit. That management fee, and again, it can vary a little bit, but what I would say in the point, Peg mentioned it, but I really want to emphasize, is that that fee is competitive, I think, with other firms that only do money management. We're very competitive. But the difference is that most of those firms don't do comprehensive financial planning. At Wealth Enhancement Group, you get the money management and all the planning you want or need for that same fee. So in other words, you're getting a better value or more bang for your buck. And that's why our client retention rate, I think, is so high. All right, we do have to take a break. But of course, more of your money and your questions and calls, 651-989-9226 is our studio line. That's the number you can use to call Peg and Bruce. You can also text us your questions at that time. And a little teaser on some of the texts we're already getting Peg and Bruce, unemployment income and whether that's taxable or not, as well as other charitable deductions. We are back on Your Money. Rashini Rajkumar here along with your hosts, Bruce and Peg. Phone and text lines are open, 651-989-9226. And let's kick it off with that unemployment question. This person wondering if the first $10,200 of unemployment is not taxable and I receive less than that, do I need to report it? Hey, thanks, Rashini, and uh, thanks, texters and callers. And Peg, I, you know, I... Like I said, there's a couple of other things in our uh, outline that we didn't get to that I suspect we might get a chance to get to uh, answering questions. So taxability of uh, unemployment insurance. <clears throat> yeah, they um, there was a lot of confusion around this since it came out with the recent uh, act that came out that 10200 unemployment is tax-free. There was complexity around lots of people had already filed and then um, more are just wondering questions like this one. I have not ran into this, Bruce, so I'm not, I don't think I can answer, like, do you have to even file? I tend to um, favor, you know, uh, filing just to make sure that, that they have documentation, you know, that you didn't have income and that you um, are taking the credit. So, uh, we can certainly check into that and, and come back as well. Yeah, that's my guess, too. I, normally, anything to do with taxes, even if there isn't you know, a, a tax consequence per se, um, the IRS still wants to know the details of what, what happened. So um, I, 
I'm not 100% sure either, but I suspect there's still something you have to do even if you don't owe any taxes. Well, and the worst thing you want, Bruce, is to start getting letters from the IRS asking you <laughs> questions and, and trying to get a hold of them. And then all of a sudden what I find is people then have to hire an accountant to you know help communicate with the IRS. So I, I, that's why I default to just filing. You know, it's so funny. <laughs> Whenever I get... And I, you know, an envelope, and it's the IRS, whether it's a state or the federal IRS, I instinctively feel my heart rate and my blood pressure go up. And 99.9% of the time, it's just something procedural or something I need to do. It's not bad news. But I see that on the envelope, and I instantly think, uh-oh. <laughs> do, you, do you do that? Or is that I'm, the sa- I'm the same, even though, you know, we work with them often, right, <laughs> trying to figure out problems and that kind of thing. And, and, and by far, they're, they're good to work with. It's just right now, everybody listening probably knows that it's pretty chaotic because, you know, people are still working from home. They're behind on these filings. The 1099s were later than normal. So I'm appreciative of the May 17th date now, and we're still finding that the uh, National Association of CPAs is still fighting for June 15th because uh, it's it, it's just a, millions and millions of returns are trying to get uh, done in a very short period of time. All right, let's go back to the text. Uh, we have, like I said, several coming in on a lot of different topics. And here's maybe going to be my favorite because I wish I were in their shoes. These listeners say, we have recently been very fortunate fortunate to have come into quite a bit of money, $1.2 million. We'll need to pay taxes on it. We are trying to figure out the best way to invest. I am 55. My husband's 62. What are your suggestions on investing? Um. Peg, this is a great question. I'll let you go first, but I got a feeling we're both going to have some thoughts and ideas here that might might be different from each other. Well, number one, I um, anytime you get a surprise, um, hopefully you have a comprehensive plan in place. But if you don't, I think it's uh, a time to start having a plan. Meaning, you know, what do you want? Um, What are your values? Uh, you know, maybe there's two of you, so you need a definition of what both of you think is important uh, to each other. And then sometimes what I see is that the windfall came from like one side of the family versus the other. And then it's, you know, creating a united, uh, cohesive plan going forward. But once you decide what's important to you, and, and, and that's the hard part. That's what people don't get is with comprehensive planning, getting your arms around the client. What do they want? What do they want for their children? What do they want for legacy? Then, Bruce, it's actually easy to implement then where do you put the money. And that's where our your money matrix comes in because once I know that, then I create these short buckets and medium buckets and long buckets. The longer buckets has more growth exposure, and that might be utilized for way down the road or, you know, legacy transfer. Sometimes it's gifts uh, to their children. And then because this is taxable as a gift, the net dollars are then going to be some of the most precious money you have because we because we still see a lot of clients come into us, our prospective clients, where they have tax-deferred everything. 
they still have this big IOU to the IRS. But after this couple has these net dollars, with those being so precious and you've already paid your tax on it, you want to treat those even kind of with even more golden gloves. Um, and so implementing that into the Your Money uh, Matrix is um, a good idea. And then tax advantage, if there's any way that we can get some money, then that would be tax-free, you know, maybe in municipal bonds or life insurance um, cash value or uh, do some Roth conversions because now you would actually have this extra money to pay the tax you know, if you did some Roth conversions. So, um so that would be my quick ideas. You know, I, I knew you would give a great answer uh, and a smart answer and a correct answer, but because of the comprehensive nature of the question, I just assumed there would be a lot of things that you wouldn't be able to get to. But, man, you got to a lot. There's not much meat left on the bone. But the other, what I really liked about what you said is that it starts with core values, what's important to you. Um, if this was indeed an inheritance, and maybe I should start there, if the, per, if the people that wrote the text lost a loved one, we're sorry for your loss. Maybe that person in your life was way more important than the money you're getting, but we don't know if it was you know, settlement or inheritance or, or whatever. But if it was inheritance, we're sorry for your loss. And is it important to pay it forward? Is that person that left you that money, do you then want to make sure that you help others, kids and grandkids and, and beloved family members? Again, this all gets back to what Peg said about core values and what's important to you. But in terms of, you know, how you invest in addition to what Peg said, I would say you also, you know, you have to look at what else you have now. I don't think Peg mentioned, you know, are you still working or not? I think you said you're 55 and 62. So if you're retired, maybe we give you a slightly different answer than we would if you're still working. But the money matrix is the key. How much money do you have? Taxable, tax deferred, and tax advantaged. How much is short-term, mid-term, and long-term? Um, and Peg's also right that once we understand your priorities, your values, what's important to you, what makes you tick, investing the money is actually the easiest part of the whole process. All right. Let's get back to the phone lines, actually. Mike is on the line from Wilmer. Good morning, Mike. Yes. Uh, first of all, Peg, and Bruce, thank you very much. Over the years, I've benefited so much from what you've been uh, giving to us information over the years. It's been uh, great uh, for everyone to listen to and get a few tips. But my question today is, uh, I know the three stimulus checks are based on the 2020 tax return, but if an individual has a child that's going to be born after January 1, but before April 15th, Will they qualify for any of the uh, three stimulus checks, and do they need to report that on their income tax, or, or how do they go about if they do qualify? Hey, Mike, thanks for listening, and thank you for the kind comments. And I don't think we're related. I don't know if you're related to Peg or not, but thank you. That was very, very nice. And I just uh, I want to mention, too, I, I'll be out in Wilmer this summer for Rockin' Robins Island. So if you, uh, if you go to that... Uh, Look, look me up and I'll buy you a soft drink or something. Peg, uh, uh, the, the, the three, the three different, uh, stim, stimulus, uh, and, and based on our, what year's income, cause, uh, Mike said 2020, but it's more complicated than that. Well, I think what, what he mentioned, and I think I wrote this down, is the child is going to be born 
January 1st or April 15th of this year, or was it 2020? Must have been this year he's talking about. I think he's talking yeah. about this year. Uh, I I don't know to that. I don't know. I um <laughs> I I don't have a whole lot of clients, you know, that are having babies right now. They're they're quite a bit older than that, so I haven't run into this Bruce as a question. But we can certainly go find out. Well, that we can we can find out. But even I think even reviewing. Um, how it works is, is a good exercise for everybody. The part, you know, the part that you do know in terms of it's not always 150. Each, each round of stimulus had a different, uh, bogey. And, you know, I learned from you two weeks ago that you could still get like a credit in 20, uh, 2021 based on your 2020 income if you didn't, you know, get a check before that. I think, uh, you know, it may, may not. Uh, specifically answer Mike's question, but just how that whole process works. And I think it's worth going over that one more time. I think you understand that better than I do. Yeah. So first of all, was the CARES Act in March of 2020. That's when that passed. And so the first round said, if you're single, 75,000, you're going to get your income, you're going to get 100% of the credit and and phased in up to 99,000. And then married, it's 150,000 all the way up to 198,000. You would get some pro rata. But the big deal is, back in March of 2020, there wasn't a tax return on file yet for 2019. So they wanted to get these checks out as fast as they could. So they looked at 2018 return. So if you were married filing jointly and it was under 150, you got the 1,200 apiece, $2,400. But then 2019. If you did qualify in 2018, you're done. But you didn't qualify in 2018, so then they looked at 2019. And then maybe you got um, some money then. But now with 2020, it actually is a 2020 credit. So now they're going to look at 2020 to see if you are absolutely qualified. Um, And so that's why we've been doing a lot of tax planning. Then December, the second one came, and all they did was really modify the income that you could have uh, the 75150 stuck, but the higher people up to 87,000, no more, uh, single and then 174,000 married. That was a lot lower than the first one. Same kind of thing. 2019, they looked at that tax return, then they're reconciling on 2020's return. Voila, here comes the biggest one of all, March of 2021, $1,400 per adult. And that one kept the 75000 but you can't go over 80000 So they've been cutting these um, bogeys, if you will, for the higher income people to not uh, get even a pro rata. Then this one then is the 2020 return, um, but they'll also look at uh, 2021 um, to see if you qualify. So lots of confusion there, but yet, um, you know, it, it takes tax planning to actually get the credits. And as uh, the listener just called in, there's actually more to it. There's child care tax credits. They're per child. If you, I mean, they're giving credits per child and uh, some pretty big maximums. So, um, but I don't know about a, about a, a little baby that's not, that was just born. And Peg, Ryan McEwen, who uh, heads up our Mankato, Minnesota office, who was on the show Last week was a CPA and certified financial planner. He texted me offline and said they get in 2021 when they file. So he's listening and he's uh, giving a little additional clarity. And again, uh, I made the reference to Wilmer. Those that don't know, I grew up in Olivia. So 
Um, Wilmer is where we went. That was a big city to, to, to uh, kids from Olivia. Wilmer had a McDonald's and a movie theater and all kinds of things to do with Wilmer. So I'll be there this summer. But I, uh, Ryan says they get it in 2021 when they file their taxes. Great. Thank you, Ryan. He's a, um, my number one on the round table. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's get in this really quick text. And then we'll go back to the phone lines. Can you still contribute to IRA for a tax benefit in the 2020 tax return? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We, we talked about that. Um, they might have missed that. You have all the way up to the filing date. So right now it's um, May 17th to be able to take a deduction. Yeah. I figured that they had missed you talking about that, wanted to get it in. Deb is on the line. Hello, Deb. Good morning. Hello, good morning. Thanks again for taking my call. Uh, my husband and I, we both have a, a quick question. We've opened Roth IRA individual accounts, each of us, last year, actually with Wealth Management Group. And we've been discussing, you know, we should contribute some more. But my husband was like, well, what if we need that money? We, we have some plans coming up this summer. And I thought, well, I think you can deduct the amount that we contributed maybe at any time with no penalties at any age or not, I guess. (laughs) Hey, Deb. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the question. And thanks for being a client. And Peg, when Deb says deduct, I'm going to assume she means withdraw the money um, uh, because she's talking about a Roth, which does not give a deduction. um, But I think she's talking about withdrawing or taking their investment back out. Yes. So, Deb, what happens is if you opened a Roth, you would have opened it with after-tax money. And then with a Roth, the growth can be tax-free provided you follow the rules, five years or 59 and a half. And so what's nice about Roth IRAs is that that principal can be taken out at any time, meaning you've already paid your tax to the IRS, so you could pull that out for any reason. The growth then can remain in the Roth. Um, That's one of the provisions of Roth that I really like, and especially for young people out there, too. And I'm not saying, Deb, you're not young because I don't know how old you are. But I encourage everyone, if you're eligible for a Roth, why not do it? Why not? Because you can pull that money out. and, And by the way, you can invest the money in whatever you want to. You could be super safe with the money. You could be super aggressive with the money. And like Deb just said, hey, we might use that money in the short term. Well, then if you did Roth for 2021, then you could invest those differently than you invested the ones um, in, in 2020. Yeah, and, you know, I, Deb, thank you. you. So in short, you are correct. If you, if you and your husband were debating the issue, you're right. And that is one of the pegs. I'm, I'm glad you said that. I, you know, imagine being 25 again and putting money into a traditional IRA. And yes, you get a tax deduction. And yes, you get tax deferred growth. But now you put that money someplace where, in essence, you, with very few exceptions, you can't get at it again without a penalty and taxes until you're 59 and a half years old. Well, with the Roth, you can if if I put in 5,000 and it's grown to 7,000. And I'm really desperate and I need money. I can go take that 5000 back with no detrimental impact. Now, it's also true that we try to coach people not to cannibalize their retirement plans before they retire. 
So, you know, we hope people aren't using their Roth like a bank going in and out all the time. Once it's there, we hope you leave it there. But if you just can't, if, 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 if you've life threw you a curveball and you really need to go get that uh, amount of your investment back, you can do that. And that makes Roths, in my mind, so investor, so consumer friendly, like you said, especially for young people. All right, let's go back to the text lines. We have a lot of questions for you there. Uh, This person is asking, what would happen to my Roth IRA if I marry someone with a 100,000-plus income? Okay, so, Peg, I think what they're getting at here is the Roth IRA, as we just extolled it upon its virtues, is so good that if you make too much money, you're not allowed to contribute to it anymore. <clears throat> That's right. And if you do get married, I mean, so the the married qualification for a Roth is joint, this is 2021, is 198000 and it's phased. You could do a partial up to 208000 So I don't know what the combined income is, but you're right. If you get married and you're over 198, you won't be able to do um, a full Roth. You might be able to do a partial up to 208,000. Now, as a single person right now, it sounds like they're not married yet. Um, 105,000 and under, you could do 100% of the deduction and not deduction, but contribution. And then 125,000 is a partial. And what do I mean by how much could you contribute? If you're under 50 years old, it's 6000 for 2021. And if you're over 50, you can do a catch-up. So then it's a total of $7,000. Um, i will add a little bit since I, I don't think we have time to squeeze in another question anyway. But I think, you know, again, what the texture probably is confused by, and, and I get it, um, I make my contribution to my Roth in January. I get married in October. And now I'm going to file a joint tax return and we make too much money together, but I've already contributed to that Roth IRA. Um, they, unfortunately, they do count you as a married couple filing jointly, even though you maybe didn't know how much your future spouse made when you made that contribution. If you make too much money, you're going to have to go in and make an amendment because, uh, uh, again, uh, it, it doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem right. And on some level, it seems illogical. But they go by your marital status during the entire tax year. And if you were married any part of that tax year and you can file married and joint, then uh, the, those income restrictions are going to come into play. All right. And I need to get this in. FYI, I just had our annual review with the PegWeb team in Preston. It went great as usual, thanking Wealth Enhancement for their services. I figured we could Oh, how nice. <laughs> Very nice. All right, Peg and Bruce and I will be back next Sunday. You can leave your questions for them during the week. Call 888-6-ADVICE or email your money at wealthenhancement.com. And on behalf of Peg and Bruce, I wish you a Happy and healthy holiday weekend, those observing Passover, those who celebrate Easter. Make it a healthy week, and we'll catch you next Sunday. The previous program was sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk 830 WCCO or Intercom Communications.